Good morning and welcome to the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. It is February 10th, 2024. This is episode 73. 73 episodes in a row, a podcast by a dreamer for all you dreamers out there. Stand-up comedian, actor, improviser, but overall dreamer, Paul Green here taking you on my journey of pursuing my dreams and interviewing other dreamers along the way and just trying to figure out what life is all about when it comes to going for what you really truly want or think you want. Uh, if you watch the podcast regularly, you might observe that I am in different surroundings than normal. That is because I am at the Pachanga Hotel and Casino in Temecula, California, Currently doing four shows as the feature act in their comedy showroom here. It's a very nice showroom, very nice hotel and casino. They are doing everything right here. Uh, the way they set up the show, uh, just just top to bottom, everything has been top notch. The headliner is a gentleman named Kevin Jordan, who was so funny. And his dry bar special has almost eight million views for context my comedy special has 5,000 so that's why he's headlining and I'm featuring so anyway this has been fun so far I drove out last night uh got into a bit of a snowstorm which was fun I was not expecting snow between Phoenix and Temecula but I drove out on the I-10 there, of course, and then somewhere around Indio, it took me off the I-10 and took me on this uh, road up through this mountainous area and then dropped me off on the other side down here in Temecula. When I was up in that mountain area, it was snowing pretty good. There was actually a sign that said, uh, chains required for the in the next mile or something. I'm going, chains? What do we need chains for? Oh... It is snowing up in Meow. So anyway, I made it safe, though. I was driving. It was pretty late when I was driving there, and there were no other cars on the road. So here I am. Um, so let's see. I did two shows. The first show, the 7 o'clock show, was really, really great. It was a pretty packed house. The showroom is really big. And they have tables and chairs, so it's set up more of sort of like a dining room setting. It's not like rows of chairs, um, which has pros and cons. You know, the, the good part of that is people can sit in groups. Uh, they can have dinner and have drinks before. But as they should, they cleared all of the dinner before the comedy show started. And the only problem there is it does feel like really spread out. So, I mean, you're trying to get to the back of the room and the sound system was fine. It wasn't that it's just comedy just seems in terms of energy to work just a little bit better when the audience is close together. The energy just seems to be more compact as opposed to everybody spread out over a long, uh, over a large surface area. But even then it was still good. My first set went really well. I, I kind of had this uh, interesting uh, riff session, which was really fun. Some woman in the front row, for some reason, near the end of my set, mentioned 
Um, she goes, hey, well, I'm a teacher and, and we've been inside all day because of the rain. As though that's what I should be talking about or something. It was it was kind of funny how she did that. It was an interesting heckle. And so I just went on this long riff about how evidently me expressing my truth and telling my story isn't good enough. And so I need to need to I need to express her truth and assume the role of a teacher. And so then I just went on this whole rant just saying, so I'm a teacher, am I right? And just acted like I was a teacher. And then I just kind of did my go-to get really loud. And I used a lot of profanity. (laughs) It's not really what I normally do. But um, just the way the rant went um, from the point of view of being a teacher who's had to stay inside all day. Uh, ironically enough, was probably the funniest thing I did on my set, which is always, and I don't know what to make of that. It's, I love being in the moment and I love improvising and I love riffing. And it's almost like I dig my own hole because it seems like no material that I write is ever as funny as those spontaneous rants. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how they could be. I don't know how to write something six months ago (laughs) and then deliver it in this moment as spontaneously with the same amount of energy as, you know, riffing off of something that was just said in the moment. And I'll tell you, I have, um... I have struggled with that my entire stand-up comedy career of trying to feel as confidently as funny in my stand-up rehearsed material as I do when I'm going off script and improvising. But, you know, that's that's what I that's what I get to continue to figure out and to try to hone my craft and uh see if I can eventually get to a point to where all of my material is at that same level of same level as funny as my as those riffs can can really be so had a lot of fun the nine o'clock show um was a little bit more challenging it was pretty undersold um or just low ticket sales there was maybe I could actually probably count because I could remember everybody who was there. There's a table of two here, four, there, that's six, eight, ten, twelve. There was maybe twelve or maybe fourteen. There might have been one other couple there. So fourteen people, again, in that same big space. Fortunately, they did all sit near the front. But, you know, when it's that big of a space, that much room, it's a lot harder to get energy going because there's just so much energy lost in the space between people and between tables and between the large ceiling. It's a huge room. I mean, it's a gigantic, it's probably like a 30 foot ceiling. Um, I mean, it is a very, very large, um, think of like a banquet room at a hotel. And, uh, but I mean, they were great. They were respectful. They were engaged, but trying to get again that few of people in that largest space to like really laugh and exude a lot of energy is is really hard 
I did something I don't normally do, but I did a totally different set of material for that 9.30 show. I don't know why I did that. Other than I just hadn't really done that material in a while, and I think I just wanted to try it out, and because it was fewer people, I wanted to... I don't know. That's what I did, though. Um, did some older older material there. So between the early show and the late show, I didn't actually repeat any jokes. And so overall, it was very good. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it's just, you know, just out here starting to pick up these gigs more and more, getting more experience on the road, honing the old craft, um, still been sticking to my goals to write and rehearse comedy for at least a hundred minutes every day, um, when I was actually driving out here, I had like a six-hour drive from Phoenix to Temecula. How I got my 100 minutes in is while I was driving, I just out loud started rehearsing my routine. And that may seem so trite, but it does make a difference for me to just verbalize out loud my set, my routine, and hear myself say it. And while I'm saying out loud because there's not actually an audience, it allows me to really like listen to what I'm saying and say it a certain way. And then sometimes like start adjusting and say, well, what if I said it this way? Does that sound funnier to me? Does that sound like it has a bigger punch? Does that get to the punchline quicker? How can I set that up better? So, and that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the hundred days or of the hundred minutes for a hundred days is improve on this 100 minutes a day every day by either writing new material or rehearsing the old material or performing or doing open mics. And and that is uh, the goal. So I've been doing that. I also set an exercise goal, which was I wanted to do 50 squats every day, 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups throughout the day. I have not hit those goals the best day I've had so far is I think I got up to 75 push-ups and 75 setups in the day I think I got all 50 squats that day because squats don't necessarily need to be weight sometimes I'll just do them plyometrics is that the word just without weights which is also actually really hard just to do a squat even if you don't have weight on but just to squat down in your body and feel all of that burn in the glutes and in the hamstrings which is very important for me because you know the old body is uh starting to break down on me at 40 so so yeah I did that and then I have been doing a lot of work for a comedian friend of mine who uh, has been remarkably successful online he has a huge online um, social media presence and he has asked me to help him with um, some back-end software type stuff lead capture um, setting up his web pages Facebook messenger type stuff and that's actually been a little stressful for me to do that while also worrying about the show um and squeezing all of that that in and you know it's really techy stuff and it's 
you know, and he's asking me to use softwares that I've never used before. So I have to go in and learn the software platform and learn all its nuances and its strengths and weaknesses, and then just try to uh, get all of these requirements that he has satisfied. So I did all of that. I'm a little ashamed. Shame, ashamed isn't the right word, but Yesterday was the first day since November 30th that I did not post three reels on my social media accounts. Uh, a lot of that obviously was because I was traveling and I didn't get to it. And a lot of it also because I'm just running out of steam a little bit on it. And I have been so diligent in posting. And it's just pretty clear that nothing that I'm doing is the right thing, at least in terms of being viral. So it's been almost three months. So what's November 30th? So December 30th, January 30th, it's February 10th. So about two and a half months. So that's probably, Oh, I'll tell you, it's been 72 days or 73 days because this is episode 73 of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. And I started the the podcast the same day that I started posting three reels a day. So 73 times three is 219. Is my math right on that? So I've posted 219 a minute or less reels. Um... 73 clips from my podcast, 73 clips of me either doing Lord Voldemort on the street or singing songs to strangers on the street, and then 73 clips of my stand-up comedy. And not one of those clips has done anything close to going viral. Like, viral enough to where it, it actually means something. And, I mean, there's been a couple videos that have kind of spiked a little bit, um, but the vast, vast majority of them, like 98% of those videos just have either really done nothing or just sort of met the status quo. And I, I mean, I've been growing my social media following, but it's been growing The the growth is negligible. You know, we're talking, I'm growing by the ones and twos. I'm not growing by the tens or the hundreds or the thousands. And for context, my buddy who I was talking about, who I was doing work for, he said, yeah, I posted a video three days ago and I got 120,000 new followers in the last three days. Like, those are the numbers he's dealing with. And those are the types of numbers that can actually um, lead to some success. So I'm trying not to be discouraged about that. I'm just trying to go, okay, what do I glean from this? Do I just keep doing the same thing and just keep growing by 10s and 15s here? I mean, it's a ton of work to do what I'm doing. Is it something to where eventually this will start to, my, my strategy will start to catch on? Or is it just screaming at me, change strategies? Um, and to change strategy, we'll change it to what? So I actually had this... Uh, one-on-one meeting I some marketing company popped up on my social media ads saying hey we specialize in viral growth organic this isn't paid ads 
I'm the guy. I work with everybody. I work with Taylor Swift. I work with God, whatever. So I watch his promo video, and of course his promo video is so great. And then it's like, well, the next step is to set up a one-on-one consultation. So I set up the one-on-one consultation. I talk to the guy and just say, well, it's what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing stand-up comedy. I want to get figure out this algorithm beast. And he goes, okay, we'll watch this next video, and then we'll talk. So I watch the next video, and it's an hour-long video from the owner of this company just giving his, his two cents. And it's the type of thing where the whole video is an hour long. And I'm like, this whole video could have been three minutes long because the whole video pretty much said, if you want to create viral videos, the trick is to create videos that are already going to go viral. Got it. So their whole thing is, um, when you work with us, you sign up, we're going to do all of this research. We're going to research your brand and what your goals are and what you're up to. And then we are going to go into, you know, the algorithm and we are going to create a custom-made social media plan. And we're going to talk about the types of videos that you should be posting, you know, the length, the format, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're going to give that to you. And then all you have to do is go create the content based off of what we tell you to do. And voila, you're going to go viral. So I'm like, I can, I can see the value in that, but like to spend money, it's like spend all of this money for us not to produce a single video, spend all this money for us to tell you what to do. But then you have to go do it. And I'm going, uh, you do realize that the hardest part of this game is actually producing the content. Like, actually getting a camera and the whatever it is that they were going to tell me to do and to get that on camera and then to get it edited and get it tied and to get it viral is a ton of work. So I'm going, okay, well, you know, if this doesn't cost a lot of money, it would be nice for them, you know, to get their their insight to go like, well, Paul, instead of doing uh, stand-up comedy clips, what you need to do is blah, 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 blah. But I'm going, what, what would you even tell me to do? What are you going to do? Just go look at another stand-up comedian and go, oh, well, this other stand-up comedian posted videos of them doing crowd work. So post videos of you doing crowd work. I'm like, yeah, I've already done that. Actually, one of my most viral videos is a video of me doing crowd work. And so I film myself doing crowd work as often as possible. And I post all of those videos. But even most of those don't really get any sort of uptick. Just every once in a while, maybe one of them will. The highest views I've gotten on anything recently was when I post a video of me bombing. And I'm going, yeah, I don't actually know if I want to go intentionally bomb to produce a video of me bombing just to get more views online of me sucking. That's kind of not what I'm going for. But anyway, I figured, well, if the price is reasonable, it might make sense for me to have their expertise and to get that research. They came back and they said they wanted $9,400 for this research. Almost $10,000 for them to Google, hey, what, what viral videos should Paul Green make? I just was like, yeah, I don't think so. 
But that's that's the game that I'm in right now, and that's the game I need to figure out. Um, my buddy who I worked with today, I mean, he's figured it out. His his videos are incredible, and you watch them, and you go like, oh, yeah, I totally see why this has blown up the internet and why it's been successful and why now he has millions and millions of subscribers and followers, and now he's starting to be able to monetize that audience. Um, so... That is what I'm trying to figure out at this stage in the game. So for all of you dreamers out there trying to figure it out as well, you have my sympathy, you have my encouragement and my full support. Let's keep going for it. Just don't be discouraged. Just it's all data. It's just data. All right. 210 videos that haven't really worked. Noted. Let's time to pivot. Let me see what else I can do. Try something else and find a different strategy. The one thing that these guys said was exactly what I'm doing. They're like, so many people, they get into burnout mode and they think that if they just post all the time that that will lead to virability. And they said, that isn't true. And I'm going, well, I can give you a case in point of that. They said, what you really need to do is just have one video that uses scientific research to prove that it will already be viral and then just post one or two of those a month. So that's what I needed to do. Whoopsies. So I am going to do some more focus on that. I know you are listening to this at eight in the morning, but I filmed this last night at it's about midnight. I'm exhausted, but I'm going to do some more research and see if I can't figure out how to figure out this online media game. Cause I don't know. I just feel like that's my biggest chance to, you know, to grow in this industry. It just seems like doing it any other way. It's like the old ways don't exist anymore. I was actually talking to the headliner about that. And he says, yeah, he's like, when I was coming up, the whole thing was that seven minute set. He's like, you got a seven minute set in either New York or LA that was super refined, that was super tight, that was really funny. And you just worked that seven minute set. And eventually if you were funny enough and it was good enough and you hustled enough, then you could get that seven-minute set. Maybe you'd get a Carson set. Maybe you'd get a Leno set. Maybe you'd get a, um, you know, Conan O'Brien set. And then that TV spot could then lead to other opportunities. And he's just like, does that even exist anymore? I'm like, I don't think it does. I mean, Conan doesn't exist anymore. I know Jimmy Kimmel has his hand in the stand-up comedy world. He has his comedy club up in Vegas. I don't know what he's up to. First of all, people don't even watch Late Night anymore, not when it's going on. Maybe... You know, you'll see a clip of what happened on the late night show on your social media. Um, But yeah, you know, I just think the probability that somebody's going to pull up in a limo with a cigar and say, I'm going to make you a star kid. Um, You know, I don't I don't think that's probably going to happen for me, which means I need to do my best to. um, Attract an audience online and an audience that will then convert to actually seeing me live. And I know comedians have done it. That's what Matt Reif did. He's the anomaly. I know other comics who have been successful at that. And we'll see if my buddy who I was working with today, if he's able to to do that as well with some of the lead capture strategies that I set up with him. So I'll tell you, you know, it's just all experimentation and all figuring out, figuring it out and trying not to get discouraged and just not quitting and being willing to humble yourself enough to go, okay, that didn't work or that didn't quite have the results 
that I was hoping for. Let's try something else. So that's what I'm going to focus on. I hope all of you are out there living your dreams, finding success, and having a joyful, abundant, fulfilled time while you're at it. All right, everybody, that's all for today. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. I support you in your dreams. Go get them. This is the Paul Green Comedy Podcast, episode 73, February 10th, 2024.